Hi everyone, welcome to the next episode of the Hybrid Hangout podcast. Today we'll be talking about the second leg of the Ajax game. Firstly, I just want to apologise because I am a little bit ill. I think maybe I got too close to some Spurs badges at the Derby game and now I have the germs. I don't know. But um, yeah, so I've got a slightly cartoonish nasal voice going on and I know that's super annoying, but I've got the green tea at the ready and I hope you're, you don't mind. So, despite a pre-match goalpost controversy that I will be discussing later on in the podcast and horrible rain, even by British standards, Arsenal are through to the Champions League group stage from a single goal from Miedemar making it 3-2 on aggregate. Similar to the first leg, we made a hesitant start, seemingly unable to set the tempo once more. Ajax had a high aggressive press, forcing the Gunners into a lot of 2v1 situations in our own half. However, we did really begin to grow into the game, but this was somewhat stopped when Rafa Souza had to be replaced due to a foot injury by Lotte Wuben Moy. Now, obviously this is a blow, given that Rafa has become a really core part of the team, both defensively in her partnership with Leah Williamson, and also how she's become a target for headers in set pieces. But given that it didn't look too serious, obviously we do need to wait to find out the whole story. It was really great to see Wuben Moy get a good chunk of minutes in one go, especially considering that England Lionesses manager Serena Wiegmann was there and Lotta has not made the squad for the upcoming friendlies for England. So I can only imagine how great she must feel knowing she put in an absolute shift, including one really decisive moment when Ajax had a shot on goal and Lotta cleared a post. But more generally as well, I felt like when Lotta came on, the energy of the game really went up a pace. I think she really injected something special into the team when she came on. Also similar to the last game, I felt that the start to the second half was much better. While Miedemar was tightly marked again, a moment of brilliance saw a stunning goal from her. Following that goal, Ajax definitely upped the tempo again, mainly leading to a solid save from Zinsberger. And as I say, Wubamoy was forced to clear the post in quite a physical defensive move. The game, unfortunately, ended with Arsenal with just 10 players who had to valiantly stick it out to the end after Mead was taken off due to concussion protocols following a collision with Ajax's Lisa Dawn. Before I go into what happened, I'd just like to reassure anyone that hasn't seen, but on Arsenal's social media channels, they have confirmed that Beth is okay and travelled home with the rest of the squad. So firstly, the tackle itself was Lisa Dawn and Beth Mead attempting to go for an aerial ball and there was a collision of head and both players went down to the ground and received treatment. Now, I personally don't think it was with malicious intent, as in it was not 100% intentional to injure Beth in that manner. However, I don't think it's as simple as saying... It was one of those things that happens in a game when you go for an aerial ball. I think it was just personally a very, very poor tackle that probably still should have been carded because a player of that level should definitely have foreseen that because if you watch it, especially in slow motion, you can see that the ball is not in her line that she goes towards Beth at. But as I say, I don't think it was intentional. I just think it was careless and showed a poor level of skill. 
Then what proceeded to happen was that Arsenal, following general concussion protocols, took Beth Mead off of the pitch. And as a result, attempted to put Lena Hurtig on. However, in the WSL, this would have been possible because the English top leagues, so the WSL and the Championship, and also the Men's Premier League, for example, have concussion sub protocols, which means that even if you've used all of your subs, you can have an extra one per se because you have to take off a player because they might have a concussion. However, very, very quickly, Lena was back on the bench with her jumper on and officials were then informing Jonas and the rest of the Arsenal staff that there was no chance of a concussion sub, hence Arsenal had to play with 10 players. So, to confirm, neither the men or the women to go for competitions have concussion subs and I actually think I remember something similar happening with Man City's Kevin De Bruyne um, when he had a suspected concussion in one of their Champions League games. Now, obviously, firstly, this is horrific because players' health should always be put first and it's an absolute joke that the one of the biggest competitions in world football wouldn't be following through on these scientifically proven doctor-backed claims that this should be a thing. But more specifically to the game was that Idaval pointed out that because they initially thought they could have the sub on because they were told they were allowed one, they then, instead of, you know, just passing on messages to the team that were already on to try and reroute or help with just the 10 players, they were busy arguing with officials or trying to get leaner on and this led to misinformation on the pitch and also obviously just not helpful for Arsenal's game plan. In the end, obviously, the most important thing currently is that Beth was and is okay, but is definitely something that I hope you for look into for next year's tournament. The result in Amsterdam means that Champions League football is secured for the season. The draw for the group stage will take place on October 3rd. And domestically, our next game isn't until October the 16th against Reading in the WSL following a short international break. I think Lotta Wubamoy said it best, the Champions League is where we should be. The final thing to discuss about the game is, of course, the lineup. So interestingly, Katie McCabe started on the right wing and Beth Mead was on the bench. Both decisions made on the basis of rotation, according to Idaval. Additionally, and I think this will excite a lot of people, and myself included, as famously a big Jordan Nobbs fan club, we are at the Highbury Hangout. Idaval said that when the games become so important, the rotations become a little less, kind of insinuating that the likes of Nobbs and Iwabuchi will be making more appearances. So he said, more on the matter, said, we need to integrate more players on the pitch over the coming months. Uh, and that quote is credit to Arsblog. Now that we've reviewed the, the game, let's go to another controversy of the night. So there was a lot of goalpost drama and what I can only describe as one of the weirdest nights in women's football that I've ever seen. During the warm-up, some of the Arsenal staff, both players and non-playing staff, um, decided that there was something off about the goalpost. Now I did see quite a funny story, apparently, this is in more of a local report I believe, that a non-playing member of the staff could reach the top of the crossbar and this isn't something he can normally do 
Um, but however it was discovered, it turns out that upon measurement, the goal was 10 centimetres too small. As I think can be expected, a lot of people have jumped straight to the conclusion that this was cheating with malicious intent from Ajax. While we obviously can't rule that out directly, I would say that the same pitches and the same equipment are used by the academy sides, which most likely do have smaller goals, especially for the super young age groups. Therefore, it could be a genuine mistake where the goals just haven't been adjusted correctly before the game. Although this does seem like quite a big error to make for such an important game and they have described the event as a regret and they and Ajax will be reviewing their procedures. Jonas described the whole situation as very weird and definitely not something that he expected in a Champions League game. And just to confirm, the goals were checked again at half-time and found to be fine, so the game overall wasn't affected in the end. But if this hadn't have been found out, we don't know what would have happened. Now that we've reviewed the events of the game and its multiple controversies on the night, let's talk about the importance of getting to the Champions League group stage. There are, of course, a lot of benefits in securing Champions League football for this season. I think a lot of our players have spoken about they joined Arsenal because they wanted to play in the Champions League. And, of course, the symbolism to get to this stage, what it means for the team, all of that. But one thing I wanted to bring to everyone's attention was that by just reaching the group stage, Arsenal have already secured €400,000 minimum in funding. So UEFA approved a new financial distribution model which came into effect for the 2021 to 2025 cycle. The distribution model was built specifically to help ensure the long-term sustainability of European women's football. This money comes in part from ticket sales, the centralisation of media rights for the group stages onwards and from the European Club Association and Men's Club. The model draws on a cross-subsidy from UEFA Men's Club's competitors to support the women's game. As far as I'm aware, this is a world first in terms of the connection between the men's teams and the support given to the women's competition which I think makes it really a really genuinely interesting approach and makes me a lot more confident about the future sustainability of the game. Now, to be clear, on the topic of the cross-subsidy situation, investment is not the same as donation because when we invest in women's football, football as a whole benefits. Ultimately, the potential for growth and therefore commercialisation is huge. And... To be honest, many of the men's team's execs, especially in Europe, see this too, and this can be seen in this decision. Then, obviously, as Arsenal progress through the stages, they will receive a much larger financial benefit from that. Overall, obviously, the most important thing is that we are through to the Champions League group stage, which is hugely important for the club. But as I kind of touched upon in a previous episode about the first leg of the Ajax games, I think we will have to play more consistently like we have been doing in the second half in order to get anywhere. I would love to know who everyone is kind of rooting for or hoping we don't get on the draw on Monday. A part of me is obviously like, oh, I don't want Leon, or I don't want Barcelona, that type of thing. But I think it could be interesting if we got Wolfsburg purely because it would be such a good marker of to where we've got compared to where we last played them. 
as I still think we're in this huge growth period, especially in terms of not just Arsenal, but the divide between the WSL teams and the rest of Europe. In the meantime, as well as watching the international break games, which have some of our gunners in, I'm excited to carry on reading the rest of Alex Scott's book, which, if you haven't got it, honestly get it. It's incredible. She's so raw and honest. It's so moving. And obviously just such a huge insight into an incredible Arsenal legend. Now, just before I go... My special shout out this episode actually goes to Arsenal, which is a bit rogue and it's not just because I love them, it's because this weekend obviously the lads play in their North London derby and on the match day programme alongside Emil Smith-Rowe and Thierry Henry is our very own Beth Mead. This is the first time that one of the women's players has ever appeared on the front cover of one of the men's programmes, so here's hoping that the men can reproduce what the women did because after all North London is red. Anyway thank you for listening I hope to see you in the next episode where due to the lack of games to discuss I will be doing a history lesson on Arsenal Women's Football Club. Bye everyone!